The internet is filled with fascinating tidbits of information, as any of us know who've been awake at 3 a.m. and can no longer simply lie in bed staring into the darkness. If you want an example, well, one not on a website that explains the meaning of various phrases, I learned that one definition of the phrase, head in the clouds, means the following. Someone with his head in the clouds is seeing clouds rather than what's going on way down here on earth. If his head is in the clouds, he is too distracted to know what's going on. That's the quote. Head in the clouds or head in the sand. Take your choice of phrases, but in the end, we get it. People who have their head either in cloud or sand are not taking a serious look at the real world that's all around them at eye level. Ask Luke the gospeler about what needs to happen should you find your head in the clouds, and he will point you to his writings. The Feast of the Ascension technically came three days ago, 40 days after Easter. That specific number alone ought to ring a bell or two inside our heads. In biblical language, after 40 days, something big always occurs. 40 is one of those so-called complete numbers in the Bible, one of the more famous being those 40 days of rain in Genesis. It took that long for God to renew the face of the earth and start over again. Life began again when the rains stopped. The passengers on the ark could start looking for life, and earth came back into view. Even 2,000 years later, it's the sort of news that farmers need to hear in the spring as they try to plant after days of unceasing rain. Luke, in writing his gospel and the book of Acts, knew something about making connections with older sacred scripture. And he knew a thing or two about making connections inside his own writings as well. Like any good writer, he mines the same material repeatedly, looking at it from various angles so that someone, sometime, somewhere is going to finally get the good news. Thus, we have his own use of 40 days to denote the timing of the ascension. It's a reminder to the reader that something big is taking place. Back in the first part of his two-part story, and that would be the Gospel of Luke, by the way, the author tells us what happened that first Easter day after the awful events of Good Friday. Luke's not alone. The other Gospel writers tell a similar story. Jesus' followers had to go see an empty tomb to realize that Jesus was not there, and then when they turned around and faced the world, they began to see the resurrected Christ. This is an integral part of what it is to experience resurrection. Face the world and see Jesus, even 2,000 years later. To make the point, Luke states in his gospel that at the tomb, two men in dazzling clothes stood facing the women who were present and said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? The women were looking down into the tomb heads in the sand, so to speak. The women then went back to Jerusalem where others were staying, told them the news, and subsequently people started seeing the risen Christ, for example, on the road to Emmaus. Today, Luke tells the same good news again using some of the same language. Jesus tells his disciples to stay in Jerusalem. 
Then he adds that soon they'll be in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Then, lo and behold, he disappears. The disciples don't yet get it. They start staring into the clouds, or we might say they've got their head in the clouds, too distracted to know what's going on around them. Luke has to hammer the story home again. This time, again, two men in white robes stand beside the disciples and ask them why they're looking up to heaven. They hadn't seen Jesus in the tomb. They don't see Jesus in the clouds. The lesson? Get back to where you live, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and you'll see Jesus. You'll know what resurrection is about. I have always loved the Feast of the Ascension. Even though it does not get a lot of play these days, I think it's one of the essential days on the church calendar right up there for me with Easter itself because it gets the earthly body of Jesus of Nazareth finally and definitely out of the way so that we can go about the work of the church, a church which, by the way, Paul says is now Christ's body. We don't need to look up in the clouds to see Jesus. The Christ is among us. We humans love to keep our head in the clouds or keep our head in the sand or more likely keep our head in the tomb where there's usually nothing but the stench of death. It's why the church so often spends so much time arguing over how we've always done things and political correctness, and let's face it up front, over who's going to be in control of an institution that's on life support. But we have people such as Luke who keep calling us back to a living, real world. In the end of the Gospel of Luke, the author says, start in Jerusalem, start where you are. In the book of Acts, he says that Jesus tells the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, and then he starts mentioning other specific locations, such as Judea and Samaria. The good news is grounded and found in the specific places in which we live. It's not found by keeping our head in the clouds or keeping our pretensions too high. If we want to see Jesus, start looking around. Look at the hungry with whom we are called to share our food. Look at convenience store clerks and cleaning crews whom we so often ignore. Look at people who must travel long distances, even across borders as they search for work. Look anywhere except in clouds and in tombs. Luke keeps focusing on resurrection. And as well he might, it is all that we Christians have got to hang our hats on. In fact, all the gospel writers focus on resurrection. They do so because they realize that we will not see the possibilities of unity with God until we see the possibilities of reconciliation with one another. We are reconciled when we see all the other people around us as members of the body of Christ, our equals. And then we become examples to the world in much the same fashion that Jesus of Nazareth in his life and work and death became an example to everyone. In relationship, we are drawn into God's own self. We are, so to speak, carried into heaven, into the kingdom of God. I can't think of a better gift that the Feast of the Ascension offers us 
We find our salvation. We find our wholeness when we get our head out of the clouds and our feet back on the ground, ready, as you will hear later in our Eucharistic prayer, that where he is, there we might also be. Amen.